are listening to Confessions of a High School Bible Teacher. Hey, everybody. This is Confessions of a High School Bible Teacher. That's not how we usually start. (laughs) That's fine. Hi, I'm Christopher Seals. And I'm Wayne Randolph. And this is Confessions of a High School Bible Teacher. Awesome. That's how we start. That's how we start. Yeah. And then usually you'd say something, you have an interesting question for me here. Hey, Wayne. Hey. How are you today? Bro, I'm so so tired, Chris. Yeah. I feel uh, sometimes when people talk about exhaustion, they talk about it as like a... Like a sickness, mm. I think I'm I'm getting close. Mm. How about you? Um, I'm doing okay. I think I have that same sickness, but I also um, take daily remedies of caffeine. Mm, um, so good. Which is probably I've heard, I've heard it called the Christian addiction, which is kind of fun. I'll take it. Yeah, it is what it is. Both. Or maybe we should change it. I don't know. Both those things are accurate for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Wayne. Yeah. Do you have a favorite bumper sticker? I have some favorites, yeah. Tell yeah. me, tell me one of your favorites. Um, I, I like um, "Make Love, Not War." I like that one. My favorite, one of my favorites, is "In Case of Rapture, This Vehicle Will Be Unmanned." I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, yes. Um, I also like um, the one that says, uh, I'm pretty sure when Jesus says to love your enemy, he didn't mean drop bombs on them. I don't think I've seen that one. You haven't? No. Yeah, I've seen that one. (laughs) Sounds good. It's usually on the car that has like 40 bumper stickers and it's like one of the 40. And there's like a Rage Against the Machine sticker right next to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm really tired. I'm sorry. (laughs) How about, have you seen the one that says, the Bible says it, I believe it. Oh, and that settles it. Yeah. How do you feel about that one? I don't know if that necessarily sends the message that we want to send. I, I just stopped for a second because I was going to say that the person wants to send, but I'm sure it does since they put it on their car. Right. I don't know if that's necessarily the message that needs to be sent out. It sounds pretty, pretty pompous and arrogant. Hmm. Yeah, and I think... Uh, also, maybe a bit misinformed, right? Like yeah. th- things that we've said before, like if we actually want to read the text um, well and understand what the authors meant and what God wants to communicate through it, then, you know, understanding first century history um, and understanding the languages that this book was written in probably is kind of important. Can you imagine that on a bumper sticker? That'd be really long. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, the Bible said it, and I take it within context of the genre right. and the literary style. And yeah. Yeah. That's, but that would be a far more accurate. I have a professor in, um, I can't remember if it was grad school or undergrad, but um, he used to say, like, any, any theological statement that could fit onto a bumper sticker is probably not a good one. <laughs> and good. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. that's probably a lot to say there. So do we, do we need to unravel some bumper sticker theology? Yeah, I think so. What we're going to do is a little bit different than what we normally do, which is talk extemporaneously. Um, but this time we're going to play a little game called Doesn't the Bible Say? Doesn't the Bible Say. Yes. Um, and the reason that we're going to call this game Doesn't the Bible Say is because um, I would say that whenever we have open discussion in our classrooms, which we try to make space for depending on the structure of the class, but usually from time to time we'll say, okay, today is question day or today is discussion day. Yeah. Um, and without 
fail, there's always someone at some point who says, well, doesn't it say in the Bible? Yeah. Blank. And then just fill in the blank. And fill in the blank. Yeah. So here we go. When, when you, maybe uh, a little bit there, like when you hear that, you just hear that phrase uh-huh. <laughs> where, what does your mind do? To kind of put the seatbelt on and be like, you know, okay, here we go, right? Yeah. Get strapped in. Like what, 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 do, what does your mind go? Even before you hear whatever the fill in the blank is. Yeah. I usually uh, form my mouth in such a way that I'm ready to say the word no very quickly. Yeah. Um, sometimes it is in the Bible like though. Um, but I think another thing that like, this is just more personally and emotionally. And I think that in, <laughs> in, in person, I, I don't show a lot of angst and emotion on my face. Um, but one of the things that sometimes it does, um, is the usage of the word biblical. Um, oh. yeah, I've <laughs> grown <laughs> the word biblical. I, I feel like for a lot of people is just a synonym for good or right or, um, I don't know, correct. Yeah. Um, which then if you actually look at it really is just a synonym for here's what I think. Yeah. 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 The, um, a similar kind of red flag comes up for me, um, you know, when we hear a student say, like, you know, doesn't the Bible say, but um, along that same vein, yeah, the, well, the Bible, the Bible says so. So, like, if you're, I mean, if you want to argue with me, like, you're you're arguing with the Bible. Right. And sure, there, there, are, there are some things, there's some subjects in there for sure that that, that probably uh, can be used correctly, that phrase. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's probably a whole lot of others that seems a little bold yeah. to say that. And I think where it becomes problematic is oftentimes it has nothing to do with the Bible and it's just the person trying to affirm their own view, uh, right? Even like sometimes when um, before speaking and like I, I'm not trying to throw anyone under the bus, but even before speaking um, at a church, sometimes I will say, or not, I don't do this anymore, but the default prayer is, God, let these words be your words and not my words. Mm. Um, but then what that communicates to everybody in the audience is, well, you're listening to God right now as soon yeah. as I start speaking. I'm the mouthpiece. I am the mouthpiece for God. Um, and so, Yeah, and we say that, we say that with, with full respect for, right. for teachers and, and those you know, men and women that get up in front of people and, and are in some forms of leadership. But right. yeah, there's, a, there's an unintended message yeah. uh, that potentially can... Maybe especially maybe some of the fringe people in the the audience, the congregation, whatever that may be, that it might hold them hostage to having to believe a certain thing. Exactly, um, that might not necessarily be a doctrinal th- statement or thing that they're discussing, right? Right, and I think that is the same heart and spirit sometimes that is behind. Doesn't the Bible say? Yeah, or isn't it in the Bible that? Yeah, blank. So we're just we're just gonna we're just gonna lob these nuggets out there then, right? We're yes, just, we're just gonna go through the list and. Uh, let's see how we we navigate right. these in class. So so let's go back and forth, and I will throw one at you, and you can throw one at me. You're going do first. It. Yeah. Okay, let's do sure. it. Ready? <clears throat> Doesn't the Bible say that suicide is the unforgivable sin? Total. Oh, I shouldn't start with sarcasm. No, it does not. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't. Oh well. Next then, one. Well then, <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> well then, where did we? Where did I hear that from? Because I could have swore that like. Some grown-ups in my life have told me that suicide is the sin that you can't be forgiven of, so I really need to not do that. Yeah, that's a... Sorry, yeah, I started kind of heavy. I should have Yeah, well, no, one. no, 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 that's good, that's good. I, I was just thinking, like, even how, like, because it comes up. It comes up, and, um, man, I, I think I even exposed there some of my, my cynical sarcasm that I, I mm. want to kind of make those jokes, but, man, let's be really honest. When a kid is asking that, right. holy crud. 
I mean, that, that sh- there should be other red flags that are coming up that like, man, you're, you're dealing with something or, or a friend or, um, I mean, that's heavy. And yeah. then, and then to, to, to apply more burden to somebody mm. to say that, you know, if, if life is so bad and, and it's so bad and you're so jaded and your filter's off enough that you're thinking that taking your own life is, is the solution mm. to then... I mean, it's like taxing somebody on their death, right? right. <laughs> like then to say, and on top of it, you yeah. know, if you do this. So um, from what I understand, what I gather, and I, uh, you know, I'm not going to pretend to know all this on, uh, on it, but I, I believe that it comes from um, some of the, the Catholic tradition, um, the culture. Hmm. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't know if that's actually taught hmm. from the top. I, I, I right. can't speak to that. But I, I think, again, there's a lot of like these Christian culture, these things that we say, and if we say them enough, right, it's, it's right. in our everyday life when we're not talking about um, theology and we're talking about other things, we'll often use that phrase like, well, you know, they say. Or right. they, and so it seems like that might be something that they have said uh, within uh, that context. Do you have more of it for me or do you? No, that sounds about right. And I think you're honest. And I, and, and I, I want to be, sorry, I, I just asked your no. question now I'm interrupting, but I, I'm not putting that on the Catholic church. Right. Um, that those are our brothers and sisters in Christ. Right. Um, but so, things that bubble up within the culture, right? There's yeah. things that bubble up within <clears throat> evangelical like, like culture. over from yeah, that, some old, yeah, there's things that bad sermon <laughs> bubble up through evangelical culture that have nothing to do with anything that's been spoken from a pulpit that they've yeah. heard, but yeah. just things that like, are are there under the surface. Um, and what I was going to say is I think that, like, w- you're onto something with the fact that this question comes up a lot with teenagers, and we probably should have a longer conversation sometime about suicide, but I feel yeah. like any time that I, I get beneath the surface um, with a teenager, I would say at w- half of the students that I talk to um, have some sort of, like, if not suicidal thoughts, like, what would it be like if I wasn't here anymore? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I wonder if it'd be better if I was dead or, yeah. like, those sorts of, like, thoughts. The kind of kind of weird, creepy, existential. Right. Yeah, which seems, I don't know, fortunately or unfortunately, seems to be a part of, of growing up. Yeah. We'd it, all, we would all be lying if, if we said we've never, ever entertained any of those kind of thoughts. Right. Yeah, and I think, and I'm not sure... I don't have enough context because I went through Christian junior high and high school. Um, So I don't know if it's the same in public schools, but I think that there maybe is something special within Christianity um, that, that lends itself to more of that sort of questioning, Mm. right? Because there's, there's a little bit more shame and guilt Mm -hmm. in the culture sometimes. Yeah. And Um, and we're, I mean, we, we definitely teach that we are countercultural. And so, yeah, you're looking for your cues and, and you're right. uh, in this culture. Yeah. Um, The other, the other thing um, I think, that you touched on in that question or that our students are asking is even this idea of this unforgivable sin. Yeah. Um, and so where do you take them if, if you're saying, like if you wanted to give scripture back to them and say if there is an unforgivable sin, because maybe yeah, that's also we, a motive, yeah, not necessarily suicide, but like is there something that I could do that would be so bad that God would never forgive me? Yeah, there's – and uh, the fun thing is is it seems like the Christian family has been um, kind of wrestling and, and debating this one and um, – but there, Scripture talks about um, this denial uh, of the Holy Spirit, or right. sometimes they use blasphemy of blasphemy the Holy Spirit, which is such Spirit. a loaded Christian term. That, right. You know, a fifteen-year-old is not. Um, I'm not saying that they can't handle that, but it probably is not the place to start. We can talk right. about that later. But you th- better not blaspheme. Right. Yeah. yeah. What? Oh no. Um, so, uh, but yeah, there's there's this idea of of somehow it, I, I think ignoring mm. um, gets to a point, and and then even unforgivable. I mean, this that is. For a 15, 
well, maybe not even just a 15-year-old, maybe a 42-year-old. Yeah. That's such a, a loaded, um, full of baggage kind of term. But that's where we, right. we go to, and it opens up a whole another host of conversations. Right. And Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And again, we're, we're, we're talking to kids that are all along the, the Christian spectrum, mm-hmm. so I don't feel that there is... That is doctrine, and I don't feel that I can give one definitive answer for them, and so we kind of explore. Right. Yeah. Okay, so that's not in Scripture. Why don't you throw one at me? Um, Mr. Seals, doesn't it say in Scripture that um, we'll always have the poor? So should mm-hmm. I, like this this poverty outreach, the stuff we're doing, like do we really need to be you know doing that kind of stuff? Do we really need to be spending money on... It doesn't Jesus say we'll always have the poor, so... Yeah, and that's an interesting <laughs> one, right? Because, yes, Scripture does say you will always have the poor. Um, but then uh, if we want to use our tools, I would say usually one of the things that I'll do when someone says, doesn't it say, my first question is where? Yeah, um, show me. Yeah, where does it say that in Scripture? Um, and we also, just so you guys know, we also ask the kids to challenge us the same way. We don't want right. them just blindly taking what we're saying. Yeah. So hopefully we model that. (laughs) And we are a one-to-one iPad school, and so everybody has the entire world at their fingertips on a shiny screen. Um, And so even if when I say that, I don't have to say like, Come I back think, and see me tomorrow. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, now we can just say, okay, well, Google it. Is that is that in there yeah, somewhere? Ask and Siri. So for this question, I would say, okay, where it is? Where is it? And then we would be brought to the teachings of Jesus. Um, and I believe that specifically comes up in the the anointing of Jesus um, when the jar of alabaster was broken. There's right. some perfume poured on him, um, and Judas Iscariot and some of the disciples started to um, grumble. <clears throat> about the fact that there was this huge sacrifice made um, to anoint Jesus before his death. Um, some would argue, arguably as a messianic sign, right? Mm-hmm. As this is his anointing before yeah. being um, crowned king on the cross. Um, so uh, there is all of this other stuff going on in the text. And, and those words that Jesus speaks isn't a, isn't a broadcasting of, this is the right. theology that you should embody and take. Right. Um, but rather it is a, a way of saying, Hey, let her do this. You guys have plenty of work ahead of you with yeah, the poor. Yeah. Um, but there's this other thing going on right now. Yeah, I'm only going to be here for it. And the, the reason I brought that one up, uh, even the, within the context of doesn't the Bible say, um, like you said, like sometimes the Bible does say it, but the the application, right? Yeah. The, the the quick kind of what that means. Very often, I hear it as a rebuttal. Yeah. So when we start talking about. Um, maybe some social justice issues in my mm-hmm. class. Um, one of the things, it's, it's almost a rebuttal. Well, well Mr. Randolph, doesn't Jesus say we'll always have the poor, right. so like, we shouldn't be working on this? And um, So yeah, yeah, sometimes the Bible does say things, uh, right. and you can make it say what you want. Right, and I think, <laughs> I, and I think the reason that that one surfaces is like if, if someone is actually reading through Scripture, reading that story, that is not going to be the verse that they're like, this is the important part of this text that we need right. to systematize and make a, a theology out of. Right, right? that's more of a, a fortune cookie yes. kind of li- a, little, a little wrapped up yeah. verse, and you, you get to make it mean what you want if you're not reading yeah. the text. Yep, and I think it's Greg Kokel from Standard Reason. Um, I, I could be wrong, so I, I can correct it later on the blog, but um, he said he has a little book, um, and I say little, like it's... It's halfway between a pamphlet and a book. Yeah, um, fits but it, in my back pocket. Yeah, but it's it's called "Never Read a Bible Verse," mm. um, and I think that I this is a, that. this is a perfect text for applying that principle. It's yeah. called 
Um, and it's called that because if you read a Bible verse, then you end up with really bad theology because you didn't read the Bible verses surrounding it, right? Yeah. If you if you looked at the ministry of Jesus um, taking care of the poor, um, <laughs> right. or in Matthew twenty five where he says you'll be judged in the end by how you how treated, you treated the, poor, the poor, right? Um, and then to use that verse as a way of saying don't take care of the poor, um, yeah. it, we're sort of missing the entire message of Jesus. Can we just be bold and say, um, man, if you've used that phrase, you probably need to check yourself because you're probably using it. Um, in a, a way to justify your complacency or apathy towards right. the poor. Yeah. Now, Ooh, I it, said it. <laughs> there it is. And like, I would say I, I love exceptions. And so my exception to nice. that would be if you're working in ministry with the poor um, and you feel like you're mm. in this uphill battle that's not going anywhere, um, maybe these are words of counsel to you saying like, hey, like, don't lose hope. Jesus was like, yeah, this is this is kind mm. of how reality operates. And so... Like, continue doing what you're supposed to do, continue spreading the kingdom, um, but do not be dismayed when world hunger isn't cured. Yeah. I feel like I needed those words when I was a 22-year-old out I, of college. I needed to hear that right now. That was yeah. awesome. Thanks. So. That's really cool. That's good. That's good uh, Good wisdom there. We should do one on poverty. We should. Yeah. Right. I have a lot more that I want to say, but we're doing nuggets today. Here's another nugget. Ready? Oh, my goodness. Well, doesn't no, I need it, more coffee. Doesn't it say that all sin is in the sa- same in the eyes of God? Um, like sin is sin. So like whatever kind of sin you're doing, it's all the same in God's eyes. The instant I hear that one, I've, I ask students to show me. Yeah. Cause I, I tell them, yes, I have, I've heard that. I, I, I've heard it. I, I think in my youth, I've said that. Um, I, th- I think that I even probably kind of teach maybe the message within right. there, um, but man, I've yet in, in my years, I've yet to find that verse. Have you have you found it? I have not found that verse. Um, I I know the theology. Yeah, um, and I it. think I can unpack it. Okay, but um, yeah, I've I've yet to find the verse. Right. And if we and if we're going like for scripture, um, when I believe it's in First Corinthians, when Paul is talking about sexual sin, he says that no, when you sin sexually, you sin doubly mm. because you're sinning. You're sinning, but then you're also sinning against your own body when you unite yeah. yourself with a prostitute. Um, and so even in that, he says, no, there is, that's a different kind of sin than others. Or yeah. um, when G- the one we talked about a little bit ago, like the blasphemy against the Holy right, Spirit, it seems right. like that that's a different kind of sin. Yeah, if, if the language actually, you know, it's language we would want to unpack and, and right. do some good exegesis, but if the language is saying like unpardonable or unforgivable, like... There seems to be some sort of hierarchical system there. Right. Um, my my fear is, and I'm going to assume, Chris, that it's your fear as well, is that when that question is asked, um, that it might feed our inner Pharisee, this mm-hmm. desire to um, create a checklist of do's and don'ts, mm-hmm. and we want to do the do's, right? And we want to avoid the don'ts as much as possible. And if they're if they're stratified, those don'ts, right. then I want to only participate in the don'ts that are at the bottom of the list. Right. And um, I don't know. I read the text. Hopefully you can pick up my sarcasm. Uh, I, I read the text and see Jesus really freeing us from from the Pharisee mm-hmm. um, inside of me, right? Yeah. Not, not like they're our enemy. Like, no, that's, that's, that's in me. We do it. Now, we fight that a lot here at a school, um, this kind of performance-based... Yeah. Um, not necessarily salvation, but, mm-hmm. but like, you know, identity and value. And um, so where I, where I take the conversation with the students is, is we even just get into, so what's sin? Yeah. Um, and we, we get into this discussion. And 
Um, the way that I help frame it for them is, is that it's a disease. Mm. It's a disease of the heart. And it's a disease that we all have. And as much as I might think that I'm better than somebody else because they have done some really ugly things, mm-hmm. um, both of us have the symptoms of this disease. And both of us, whether it's me or the murderer, um, have the capability of doing those things inside of us. Right. Um, and so this idea that, that Jesus um, is... is um, teaching us a, a way to live. It's, it's a way to live that's filled with life, not with this disease, uh, this death disease inside of us. And yeah. so at that point, anything that, that leads towards death um, really kind of gets in that sin category, right? right? Um, but but I, I try to help the kids and, and myself and, and other adults and friends, like, try to get us avoiding this idea of just a list right. of do's and don'ts and which, which one's worse. And, um, and, then, and then to remind them, yeah, there, there are there are greater consequences, yeah. right? Like murder. If I murder you, <laughs> right. or if I steal your wallet, um, both are crimes that I've committed against you. I, I've I've broken our relationship um, between each other, and you know, and between the eyes of the law. And there are consequences. Yeah. So there are consequences, right? But. Yeah, it seems right. like the wages of sin is death. So it seems like that all leads yeah. to the same place. And sure, maybe that is the great equaler. <laughs> like maybe all sin, um, if if we we can infer from that text that all sin is equal in that it separates us from God. Yep. Um, but but to say that they are all equal probably is not accurate. And I think the way that you were talking about sin is very Pauline of you. Like, mm. um, because I think even when we say the word sin, there's different ways that that same that same word is used. Right? Paul talks about the power of sin. Um, like he, when he says that he's not talking about the power of individual transgressions that yeah. break some sort of social or religious norm. Right. Um, and so I, I think that the idea of this disease maybe is like ringing true with, okay, that, that is consistent with Paul's conversation on sin. But like, even when someone does say, okay, well then what is a sin? Right. I think that we have, I think <laughs> that there are things that are a sin, right. right. Naturally. Um, yeah. it, and I think that like the disease metaphor goes well with that, but like with, with our decisions, yeah, we still make decisions, right? Like we, um, we are not victim to like the darkness, um, that because especially those of us who say that we have the light in us. Um, but I think even with that, um, it, it's still not breaking something on a list, right? Right. This is how, if we go back to Shalom, this is how God designed Shalom. And this is is how, um, this is how we disrupt that. I don't have it. This is how we break that. This is, these are the things that we do to make Shalom not happen between people, between us and creation, um, all of those sorts of things. And I'd be like, yeah, those things are sins. Right. But yeah, the consequences are different. The way that, um, the, the things that they cause, the way that they disrupt the Shalom are totally different, maybe not equal, um, in right. all respects. And then, and then the, the, their theology too gets, gets informed through that lens. And so when, when, when we are asking of each other, like, is this a sin? Is this not a sin? Is this a sin? Is this not a sin? And, and kids do it a little bit more um, blatantly. I think as adults, we've learned to kind of code and, mm-hmm. and hide those things a little bit more, but um, it trickles into our theology. And it, if we really, I feel like if we want to really kind of get to the core and dissect that, then then we are we are getting into a works based salvation. Mm-hmm. That if I just do this, then I'm in God's grace, and right. um, that kind of seems to nullify everything that Jesus came to do. Right. Like I, I, I'm breaking you free from that. You don't have to live that way anymore. Yeah. Like I'm good, you're good. Like let's move forward. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and, and I think yeah. that if, if you're a teacher out there, especially, or someone even who works in youth ministry or children's ministry, Mom and dad. <laughs> I, I know that this, this is a scary thing to even like teach. Yeah. I mean, what, I mean the truth, yeah. <laughs> um, because I think a lot of the way that we, we raise kids is to make them behave, right? right? Do this, do that. Um, I don't know, follow these rules yeah. and by like, if, if then. Right. If and you by, follow this, then you're good. And, and if you don't. And by opening it up to the condition of your heart or say, like curing yourself from some sort of disease, then mm. it feels like we're giving more wiggle room for like when do they behave and when do they not behave. Um, but the it seems that what Jesus is doing in the Sermon on the Mountain, Matthew chapter 5, when he says you need to go beyond the righteousness yeah. of the Pharisees if you're ever going to inherit the kingdom Yeah, you of think heaven. that's going to work? Right. Like you think that the law and just following the list is going to make it, then shoo. Right, and he... he Pluck your eyes out. Right. Cut he, your hands off. Right, like. he <laughs> internalizes each of these commands, right? It's not just don't um, have sex with someone who's not your spouse, but yeah. um, don't lust. Yeah. Not just don't murder people, but don't um, devalue others in your heart. Don't um, just keep your oaths, but also make sure that you're just honest people so yeah. you don't have to make yeah. oaths anymore. Check your heart. Yeah. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. No? That, Jesus didn't say that? Is that uh, didn't Michael, the Bible say check yourself before you wreck yourself? I no? think that was Michael Bolton. Oh. oh he has good hair. <laughs> he does. Yeah. I'm going to ask you if the following is in the Bible or if it's not in the Bible. Um, and you'll tell me if you think it's in the Bible or from somewhere else. Ready? Yeah. All sins are the same in the eyes of God. In the Bible. Where do you think that is? Um, you had to guess. Are we talking New Testament, Old Testament? or like Yeah, sure, that's good. Old Testament. All right. Um, how about the word rapture? That is not in the Bible. Um, where does that idea come from? Uh, I have no idea. Um, how about the phrase, all things work together for good? That is not in the Bible. Um, where does that phrase come from? Uh, people just assuming things from the Bible. All right, is the following in the Bible or not in the Bible? God is love. Uh, I don't know about that one. Uh, something along the lines of that, but probably not. Exactly that. Alright, if you think it's in the Bible, where do you think it is? If you had a guess. Probably in one of the New Testaments. Okay. Uh, suicide is the unforgivable sin. No. Where do you think that idea comes from? I think that's just the idea about people thinking that if you don't uh, like confess your sin before you die, you die. Or you go to hell. Okay. Um, God helps those who help themselves. No. Where do you think that idea comes from? I don't know. People thinking that by doing good for themselves, they feel better thinking that. <laughs> All right. Is this in the Bible um, or is it from somewhere else? God helps those who help themselves. Wow. Uh, I think it's somewhere else. Okay. If you had to guess, what do you, where do you think that idea comes from? I feel it comes from just... Maybe the wrong side of a society that doesn't know generally how God works, maybe? Um, all things work together for good. Bible. Bible? Do you yeah. know where that is? I do not. If you had to guess. <laughs> no pressure. Uh, no comment. No comment. Okay, that's fine. Um, no. what, about, what about the word rapture? 
Rapture. Like the Rapture. I don't know. I'm I got kind of mixed feelings on that because I, I know the Bible kind of talks in Revelation about all this little symbolism, but it's like end times. Everybody thinks, but we also hear like Rapture in today's society and society in general about Rapture could just mean end of the world. Next one. <laughs> Is it mine to you? I think it's your um, Where's my list? Where's my list? Um, Mr. Seals, doesn't the Bible say um, that God will help those who help themselves? <laughs> Do you know uh, that one's if, coming? Did you know that was coming? I, I have that on my list, too. Oh, cool. Good, good one. Um, well, if by, if by God says that, um, you mean that American culture says that, then absolutely. I do think that God says that. Um, but, but we worship a different God. Um, and well said, sir. No, he does not say that. And I think this is, I, I have this quote from Stanley Hauerwas, um, which right on. Um, is one of my, one of my favorites. Um, he's on my top 10 list. Um, but he, he has this quote um, from his book called Unleashing Scripture. Um, and the cover of the book is, is priceless because it's a, it's a Bible wrapped in an American flag. Um, and this is what, yeah, this is what he says. He says, most Christians assume that they have a right, if not a pious obligation to read the Bible. I challenge this assumption. No task is more important than for the church to take the Bible out of the hands of individual Christians in North America. Let us no longer give the Bible to all children when they enter the third grade or whenever their assumed rise to Christian maturity is marked, such as eighth grade commencements. Let us rather tell them and their parents that they are possessed by habits far too corrupt for them to be encouraged to read the Bible on their own. Bro. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. But the the reason I feel like this is so perfect is because I think... What when we talk about eisegesis versus exegesis, when we talk about putting meaning into scripture instead of just extracting meaning, um, we we run. It's not just like oh, we might get our religion slightly wrong, but what we end up doing is justifying terrible behavior, mm. terrible attitudes of the heart. Because if you look in scripture for something, you will find it. If you want to oh, justify, if scary. you want to justify. Um, I don't know, genocide, you can find it in scripture. If you want to justify polygamy and having multiple wives and being a player, you could find it in scripture. Um, if you, um, if you want to justify, um, what you just said, the God helps those who help themselves. If you want that, then like you'll find it in scripture if you look hard enough for it, right? Like we could probably point to places in the book of Proverbs that seem to say stuff like that, but that has much more to do with like a strong sense of individualism um, than it does with like the kingdom of God. Yeah. That's heavy, bro. I I feel like we need to pause. (laughs) Man. So, yeah, I think that... Do you? That, oh, let me ask you this question really quick, because I, I feel like you just kind of punched me. Uh-huh. Um, when a kid asks that, mm. how do you... Because <laughs> I bet you that quote um, goes over their head. Yeah. Uh, so what, what do you respond in a classroom setting? Or, to be honest, I, I feel like I hear this one more outside of the classroom, right, maybe more around the people my age, or especially maybe older, who kind of have a... And you kind of alluded to it, who have right. a particular... Um, American worldview. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how do you respond? Yeah, well, with the kids, I think my my default response um, is to say, "Where did you get that from?" Sure, like, and not right. even just scripture, but because they won't find it there really quickly. They'll do a yeah. Google search. When did um, When did your dad say that to you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how did, How did you learn that? But then, yeah. even to say, "Okay, well, 
what does this mean? Yeah. What, what is it saying? Yeah. What does that, awesome. what does that say? And there's, don't get me wrong. Like we, in scripture, we have the book of Proverbs, we have the book of Job and Ecclesiastes. Um, and the fact that we have these three wisdom literature books that seem to be in opposition or in tension with each other speaks to the fact that, yeah, reality, um, is a little bit more complicated than do good, you get good, do bad, you get bad. <laughs> right. Um, right. you reap what you sow, which is in scripture and it's true. Uh-huh. Um, but it, then you look at Job and what did he sow? And sometimes you sow what others have reaped. Exactly. Or yeah. reap what others have sown. That's what I said. <laughs> um, what um, so so yeah, then, with ahead. the with the grownups, then I, I would sort of have that same conversation yeah. too. Um, I call them grownups. You can, we definitely work with young people. I call my peers grownups. I'm 42, and I'm shaking my head when you say grownups. Yeah, those grownups. <laughs> yeah, grownups. Right. Those people um, who have work during the summer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one more week. One more yeah. week. Um, but so with with other of my peers and my adult friends, um, if it's it's harder. Like to be honest, that there are a lot of times when talking with peers that I just don't say what I think. Um, where I smile and nod because I, I just don't feel like I, losing a friendship. I don't um, take the teacher hat off easily. This is <laughs> this is man. Talk about reaping what you sow. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, but when I do, when I when there's sufficient rapport that I'm like, we can have a conversation about this. Then, like, yeah, we do get into things like, right. okay, individualism. What's good about it? What's bad mm, about it? Yeah. Um, yeah. We actually do that in our senior Bible class. Oh, good. We go through those and and yeah, identify the areas of individualism mm-hmm. and consumerism and materialism and nationalism. And, and that seems to be where these, where this particular phrase and probably some others that doesn't the Bible say kind of thing. Right. And find their way from the American culture. Right. Yeah. And even, even the ideas of um, like, if you work hard enough, you could be whatever you want to be, which like to an extent that's true. But the idea that it's like a level playing field, which I mean, it's not true. Right. Your, um, your belief and understanding of that, Chris, when you were 20 is much different than even now, I would imagine. Yeah, right? exactly. Because we, we've learned. Yeah. You, um, so you, we, we start reading Ecclesiastes now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So uh, that's where I would take it is I would yeah. say, okay, what are the assumptions that are under that? But then also like what views does that lend itself to and where might that be dangerous and where might that be? Yeah. Good? Yeah. I think that's following. I, I use the phrase like following that train sometimes. Yeah. Okay. If you, if you take that statement and we follow that, that train all the way to its destination, what, where do you arrive? Where, right. where is your theology now? And, um, you know, I don't know if I've shared this before and I, I, I kind of have a feeling it's going to come up a couple of times today, but, um, I, I've been through multiple kind of just tr- traumatic experiences in life. Um, and the most recent, uh, my, my wife was in the hospital for a long time. Um, with a, a brain tumor after mm. our, our second child was born. And um, there were a lot of these kind of things that we heard. Uh, and um, this idea that, that God helps those who help themselves, mm-hmm. um, I didn't know what to do. Yeah, I don't know how to help myself in that situation. And I, I think we do it more probably through the capitalistic lens when we right. say that phrase. But But this idea that um, God helps those that help themselves. I mean, again, that that reeks of kind of a works based, um, like you do good, and then God's going to come along inside as he as he sees you picking yourself up and and lifting yourself up, and then he's going then he will come alongside and help you. And um, man, there's a handful of those that are really damaging to people to say, yeah. you know, um, we, we you and I took some students last night down uh, and and 
did laundry for, for the homeless. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if any of us, I mean, not just our students, if any of us in the middle of a conversation with somebody who is, um, has a meeting to get food stamps next week because they, they want to stop panhandling because they're going to get arrested if they do that, but they have a meeting to go get uh, food stamps, uh, but they, they're afraid for that too because they had their backpack stolen, they had their ID. Right. And, and we just, you know, but God helps those that help. It just, you just got to grab your, uh, is it bootstraps? Pull, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. <laughs> just, yeah. just, and like, what, what, a, what a damning thing to say to some people. Yeah. No, the reality is sometimes life really sucks. Yeah. And as much as you try on your own or the people around you, um, and then the, the, the ramification of that is you then have not worked hard enough. God, God's mm. not going to reward you because you haven't picked yourself up high enough. Yep, so exactly. let's just say, um, not only is it not in the Bible, stop saying that one. Right. Yeah. yeah. We're good with that? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, <laughs> ready, ready for an easy one? I am. Um, yeah. doesn't the I need Bi- another cup of coffee. Doesn't the Bible say that we will all be raptured before the seven-year tribulation? No. Okay, your turn. All right. Um, are we going to really touch that one? We'll touch it later. Yeah. I just wanted to see what you'd say. Yeah, you, you caught me off oh, guard. How, you how said easy one. Um, uh, well, how about this? Um, doesn't the Bible talk about the rapture? Um, well, I, I think... Mo- <laughs> no. <laughs> no, the word is not in there. Okay. The word is not in there. Okay, well, what about like... Because right, this is me. Being, yeah. I'm channeling my inner I, I know exactly who you're... You're being all my students. Okay. Um, well, <laughs> like, what about like... Doesn't it say something like the rapture that like we will all like disappear, um, and then all this stuff's going to go down? There, there are some texts that that seem to allude to that. But again, uh, to go back to our small pamphlet that fits in the back of our pocket. Yes, uh, if we just read one verse, sure, mm-hmm. it says that. Yeah, and we when we put it in context, um, no, I think we get to we might be missing the point if, right. if we start making a theology around that. Mm-hmm. And uh, one quick clarification that's also <laughs> Man, important: you, you, you threw one at me, bro. <laughs> you button hooked me. <laughs> um, there are there's two types of context. Uh, well, there's more than that, but the two types that I teach my students is there's textual context, which is the easy kind, right? right. Like the only the way to find textual context is back up a chapter. Yep. What and came start... before? What came after? Exactly. Yep. Um, that's the easy stuff. Um, but then there's also historical context because we are reading um, a book that was written in Hebrew, Koine, well, not Hebrew, ancient Hebrew, Koine Greek. Um, and there's also like Attic or um, Bombastic Greek, as I heard Dan Wallace once call it. Um, and it's yeah, the second Peter is a trip. Um, and there's also like some sprinkles of Aramaic. And then, and then not just these old languages, mm-hmm. but also um, worldviews. Right. They, we have a, a, you know, we're kind of, we're in transition right now currently be, between kind of a, a relativistic worldview right. and a more, Im, Im, I almost said imperialistic, um, a modern, a modernist kind of worldview, right. you know, in, 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 in data and empiricism. And um, when we import those things into the text too, like they did not think that way. And right. so we're, we're not just dealing with language, right? We're dealing with, with language and a totally different way of viewing the world. Right. And we, we might be disrespecting authors when we read it through our lens. Yeah. Um, now, can we, can we read it through their lens and then try to figure out what that means for us today? That seems to be what we teach. Absolutely. That seems to be what seminary teaches. Like this seems to be the way that we should be interpreting it. So when we just grab rap- rapture, and we 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 use our language, our understanding, we come up with some some fun theology. Right. I've, absolutely. I've, I've read some fun 
fiction books. Yeah, and some half-decent movies. Oh, you're nice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about half-decent. So okay. I'm guessing we're, we'll probably have to touch yeah, that. Yeah, we'll have to touch that one later. But e- either way, um, when we look at that, when we look at verses that talk about the rapture or even, like, we'll have to do something, yeah, um, on the end times. But even the genre of biblical apocalyptic, like the way... Or not even biblical apocalyptic. There are apocalyptic tons of yeah. apocalyptic um, works. Um, yeah. and, and so just even learning how to read the genre um, and having conversations about that. Now, like if after reading those texts and reading the scripture, honestly, um, I know that there are lots of really intelligent people who are super intelligent, who are dispensationalists who would say, no, there is there is a rapture that occurs before a literal millennial reign of Christ um, and all of that. Um, and I, I have most of those charts memorized. Um, it, and so it, this doesn't mean that you have to abandon premillennial dispensationalist eschatology if you're one of those people that like knows that word and believes it. Um, but if you're not one of those people that knows those words and believes it, then make sure that you're doing your historical and textual research yeah. uh, before just saying that there's, doesn't the Bible say. Right. And you know what? Just yeah. for um, the sake of like anybody listening, um, my student, I mean, just anybody, we just dropped a bomb. I recognize that. Yeah. Um, so here, here's here's what I want. We instead of us just saying like, okay, we'll we'll, we'll podcast about this later or whatever. Right. Um, I want to at least say this: um, the way that you interpret, you know, we like Chris just said, like we we hope that you're using the right tools and are, are being trained. Um, e- either way, there's restoration that's going to happen. Right. Either way, and and so my friends that I, I have a, a great mentor of mine who is a pretty hardcore dispensationalist right. and. Um, it's fun. We get, we get to wrestle and have discussions, but it's nothing that we get divorced over. This is right. not a doctrinal issue. Um, this is not something that um, we need to fight over because ultimately how it happens, um, I, you know, I, I, through study, I have a, 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 a hunch. <laughs> yeah. I have a, a good uh, feeling and a, a lot of probability that this is the way that it's going to work out. But, um, you know, if, if the, that other camp is right, um, either way, Right. Um, restoration. Yeah. yeah, that that seems to be closer to the point. Yeah, but and either way, the, I hope the, that's okay to hear before yeah. we we open unpack that later. Right, and and either way, the the I guess the moral of the story or the pastoral point from Jesus is therefore, like the last word in, in Mark thirteen. Therefore, mm-hmm. watch. Yeah, be ready. Yeah, be looking out. Um, and how do we watch? <laughs> even uh, even that, I was just going to say, some people are like watching for <laughs> Gog and Magog, mean, yeah. uh, other, also known as uh, Russia and Iran. Ooh. Ooh. Not really. I don't think that's what Gog and Magog are. No. I've uh, heard people say that. Yep. I've seen billboards that tell me what day it's going to come. Yes. <laughs> All right, you got one for me? Yeah. Let's do Revelation, uh, an entire podcast series on Revelation. Yeah, or, um, or apocalyptic, because Daniel. Apocalyptic literature, Daniel yeah. Too. Ezekiel. There's some weird uh, stuff in there. There's some weird stuff? Yeah, there's weird stuff. Yeah. yeah. Enoch. Mm. Mr. Seals. Doesn't the Bible? You know what? Let me let's do this one because this is. I, I don't necessarily hear it with. Doesn't the Bible say? Mm. Um, but it's it's stuff that Christians say, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so, so so let's replace it with. Isn't it true that? Yeah. Uh, um, leading the witness. <laughs> I um, do, well, this idea that heaven is up. Um, doesn't, doesn't the Bible say, and it kind of actually does a little bit go with some of the rapture stuff, but doesn't, doesn't, doesn't the Bible teach that, that we're going to leave here 
and um, we're we're just we're just going to be over there for eternity. Um, and then I even was like laughing kind of uh, within that as I was writing that down for you today. Um, I think a lot of us, depending on your age, have been taught the acronym: the Bible is the the basic instruction yes. before leaving Earth. Mm-hmm. That's that's jacked up, bro. Yeah. So there, there's, there's, <laughs> I think it was a song by Coheed and Cambria. Um, no, Burlap to Cashmere. That's a very different ooh, song. Ooh. Burlap to Cashmere. Coheed and Cambria. You just that, dropped those it, are bro. Very, those if are any very... of you out there like smiled when we said that, I like you. Um, but so Burlap to Cashmere, there is um, there's a song called Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. Um, oh. and, and it's sticky um, and it gets <laughs> in there. But one of the issues, I think, um, is one, it's not basic. Um, we just we just talked about genres and languages and different yeah. historical contexts. Um, it's not most of it isn't instructions. Um, like if you read through the book of Joshua, like a list of instructions, then we should be killing lots of people. Um, or if we look at Solomon's life, like instructions, then I, I probably should have at least 950 more wives. Um, No, I can't afford one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so instructions and the the before leaving earth, like our life is not, we are not in a waiting room right now, right? This when God created the heavens and the earth in the very beginning, he said it was good and he put us here on purpose, there not, it is. not just to evacuate us or to vacuum us out or to um, take us out of this place, but he put us here on purpose um, out of his own goodness and love. And so yeah. it's not the idea that um, we need to leave earth, but, but earth needs to be restored. Yeah. Um, and that's what, what's a, what's a negative, um, uh, you know, fruit, a uh, uh, ramification of that type of theology um, in terms of how it affects our our orthopraxy, the way that we live. Um, what ends up happening then is that we don't believe or make the kingdom of God here. Yeah, so um, we'll always have the poor. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, so why try to fix things? It's not our job to fix stuff here. It's our job just to, you know, hold on, try to stay unstained, um, yeah. by the by the evils of this world and like even that's biblical language that's James right yeah. uh, remain yeah. unstained from yeah. the world um, but then like just wait until we get out of here yeah um, and then as a result we don't develop better character we don't right. um, it, make an impact on others we don't can we just call it escapism yeah can we just sure. call it like like yeah escapism yeah I, I want to go and you know man reach across the table and slap me if if this is in any way too bold but um, if if about seventy percent of scripture is is just story, yeah, it's just narrative and storytelling. Um, it's a weird, it would be weird storytelling. Um, if you started with the creator looking and saying everything is good, like you you mentioned that he likes this place, and then one mistake, and he's like, okay, screw this, scratch it. I'm going to take you guys somewhere else, and and we'll 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 do the narrative there. I'm just going to restore you, but everything else that I said was good. No, and that. So and I love, dude. I, I bring that with ninth graders, and there's just these these eyes th- that light up because they're like, ah, oh, that makes more sense. Yeah. The end of the story makes more sense when I understand the beginning of the story. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing I, I want to caution us, man, and I, I I do this too. But when it's about us leaving here, we're really making the story of scripture ab- about man. We're we're making it all about us. And what I see uh, uh, in the beginning is is God made a cool place where He can inhabit. Right. And that he can hang out with us, uh, mm-hmm. and, and it's it's about him, it's about him inhabiting this place, and that we get to be the stewards of this place and participate in that. So this idea that he's going to take us somewhere else, we're really putting ourselves at the center of the story, um, and 
I don't see enough like good humans anywhere in scripture or on earth right now to be the center of the story. Right. And so I, I think that, <laughs> Is that, that too bold. No. And I think that that's probably even a good, good place to end here. Um, because, this idea that the Bible is basic instructions before leaving earth, like what that does is it, um, it does set us up for escapism and it does set us up for an overly simplistic reading of scripture. Um, cause if it's an, if I'm looking at an instruction manual, there's a big number one where I start and I look at the picture and I do that. Um, but the, the book that we have is filled with poetry, um, and story and, and life and death and raw human emotion, right? Right, like, exactly. And so, we, we can't just approach this book and use it as a way of saying, you have to believe what I say because I'm quoting this. And I love that you said that because that's what I was going to say is, is, is those of us that hold on to that idea that it's just about escapism, um, th- then that gives us fuel to have the argument about um, who's right. Hmm. And I don't, you know, that, that's not, you know, I'm not saying that at the, at the expense of speaking truth and, mm-hmm. and pursuing truth, but that becomes the ultimate then is, is that this is, this is the way it is and you have to get on board with me so that you can get out of here too. Right. I don't want you to miss the boat. I want you to have a ticket in your hand when the rapture comes. Right. And, <laughs> and I think um, one of my friends, uh, my friends, Kyle, um, I think I've referred to him before. Yeah, a couple he, times. He's he because he's good. Yeah, he Good is. job, friend he, Kyle. He said this thing once and he's like, the Bible doesn't say anything, um, but but individual writers who were inspired by God in unique, different genres, they did say things. Mm. Um, and so it, instead of, yeah. maybe, maybe that's a good way of reframing our question is, so as you go on and you say, as you have conversations about biblical literature and what the Bible does and doesn't say, maybe we should change our vocabulary and say, okay, well, doesn't it say in the book of Mark, or didn't Jesus say, because he's the one speaking there, or didn't Paul say in mm. Romans, or didn't James say um, in his letter, um, to the early believers, so good because then it it frames the discussion in such a way that we have to be aware of context and we have to do a good job of thinking and discussing it. That seems healthy. I like healthy conversations, Chris. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, so we should start a podcast. We should. <laughs> so um, have some healthy conversations. Yeah. I dare you. Yeah. Doesn't the Bible say we should have healthy conversations? Crickets. Crickets. You're all loved. I agreed. Mm-hmm.